So guys, you already heard him last month, provide a queer eye for that gray guy. But right now, we will be listening to the main episode I recorded with Fred Andersson, the Swedish paranormal TV producer and all-around enthusiast of high strangeness. Because apart from analyzing and deconstructing books written by other people, Fred actually wrote his own book, which he is about to release, I hope, this month, titled Borderlands High Strangeness in Sweden. So we sat down today to talk about high strangeness in Sweden. Such a plethora of very different forms of phenomena. There are the, you know, usual ghost rockets. Then there are trolls in people's houses, elves, gnomes, even giants. But then there are murderous vampires, werewolves, mummies. Yeah, the bandaged kind. Even an assortment of different aliens, Nordics, short humanoids, hairy, Bigfoot-like things. And even flying boxes. No, not those kinds of boxes. Not from Ikea. They're actually from outer space or maybe even the dream realm. More on that in Fred's book, but until you get a hold of his new book, just listen to our episode where we have so much fun as two Europeans discussing weird shit in Sweden. Now we are recording uh, while I know how to pronounce your name, man, <laughs> because we were discussing that. So, guys, with me today is Fred Anderson. Yay. Is it correct? Yay! Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Probably one of the, the the best pronunciations of my last name I've heard ah, so far. So, well, my secret is that I am European, so I know how to pronounce R. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's nice, I, I must say, it, you know, I already started, it's nice to be in a European podcast. It's been a oh. long time. It's been a lot of, you know, American or Canadian. And, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I, I love that we're on the same, in the same part of the world. Not that that matter really, but, you know, it's lovely. It's lovely. And we are actually in the same time zone, which makes it very <laughs> easy for us to schedule this. Yes, I, I love that. You know, no more, you know, waking up three in the morning to record something. So oh, I'm, man. Uh, yeah, I've done so that. So you know. on how many, like over the seas podcasts were you on because i know you were on rob christopherson's show yeah i've been on rob's show our strange guys i've done a recording for somewhere in the skies you know ryan sprague show uh-huh. i've been on a canadian one several times called nocturnal frequencies uh i've been in one that's kind of it's i don't think it's so active now which is a pity it's called spectrum of strangeness mm-hmm. uh a guy called brown who who had it and just you know very you know free-flowing discussions of the weird like it yeah. a lot and I hope it would start it again. I'm a re- reoccurring guest at something called Exploding Helicopter, the world's only podcast about exploding helicopters in movies. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of more, but I'm, uh-huh. I'm, you know, being in Rob's podcast is one of my personal highlights because I love our strange guys and uh, even Ryan's. But now that I'm in yours, mm-hmm. that's that's like that's powerful for me. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, do you know what? I feel oddly, oddly enough, not nervous doing this. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I'm a I'm a fuck up man. So like, <laughs> whatever we make, who cares? 
Yes, exactly. I feel very, you know, chillier. Thank. And for those who do not know, Fred here is from Sweden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sweden, the 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 the, the great oblong country in the north. Uh-huh. I was I was comparing myself to the Swedish chef the other day on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you did the I, same on Rob's show. Yeah. 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 I did. Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, I have a tendency, you know, to just ramble. Mm-hmm. Uh, guest spots. I'm, to be fair, I, I don't think my my accent is too too. What do we say? Too powerful today? You know, my Swedish accent. I don't talk like this really. But uh-huh. sometimes when I'm tired, I really sound like the Swedish chef. Right, right now, I feel very relaxed. Could be because I've spent the whole day in the sofa, basically watching crappy Netflix shows and just chilling. So I I feel very good about this, you know. And also, I wanted to point out to the listeners who do not know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you are a producer of paranormal. TV in Sweden. <laughs> yes, I've been working now since 2019 with a show called Spökjakt, and I'm the story producer and researcher and one of the persons behind this show. And it's a pretty classic, pretty basic show where where a team is, you know, traveling around Europe investigating haunted places. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, like, how are they traveling around Europe? Yeah, how with car? Or okay, what, what but, but uh, like, are they speaking in English with the locals or what? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, ah. We did two seasons in Sweden because we had this little thing that happened all over the world. But I'm so bored talking about it, so I'm not going to do it. So we did two, <laughs> two two seasons in Sweden. Now they just come back from the UK, doing seven episodes there at some really really cool places and some you know more calmer places but you know you need the balance in this in this series it can't be scares and shocks all the time i mean it, this show is is huge i i i'm i'm uh, i'm not a person who likes to brag or am i i don't know but we won i think three years in a row the audience award at, at the big main tv gala here the amount of views because this is streaming is ridiculous especially from in such a small place like sweden and scandinavia it's insane i'm i feel privileged working with it i do but i'm between us i also feel that we're starting to run out of good haunted places you know okay but but are you focused on like ghost hunting or is it more like high strangeness oriented no it's, it's, it's ghost hunting. I, yeah. I wish I wish we could do something else than that. I've told uh, my colleagues there many times, you know, we should branch out. We should do some UFOs or monsters or, you know, cryptids, everything like that. But it's, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'd love it to happen one day. But ghosts, yeah, I, I know everything about ghosts nowadays. <laughs> Before I did the show, I did another show, 50 episodes of a show called Det Oshenda, where we had a psychic medium coming home to families to talk with their ghosts, basically. So I I've done a lot of this kind of television, maybe too much, actually. But uh, <laughs> And this is all recent because I know that you have been in the TV industry for like 20 years. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So I wanted to ask you this because I heard you bring it up, like you started with Paranormal TV in 2019. Uh, mm. Were you a huge high strangeness paranormal fanboy before that? Yeah, at the time, I yeah, in 2019, definitely I was. But it was maybe, uh, I don't remember which year I started with this other paranormal show 
called this, where the psychic medium mm-hmm. home visitations. I think when I got into that and I did so many shoots with psychic mediums and heard the families not only talk about ghosts, but they started talking about UFOs and uh, gnomes and trolls okay. and fairies. I, I got a, very, a lot more interested because it's such a unique way to, to listen to people. Because my, my work was interviewing people, hundreds mm-hmm. of them, and they always told about something else than ghosts. They told about, I remember one woman, for example, who among the ghost stories she told, she, she mentioned she met a giant troll in her hallway, you know, a, a big, hairy, almost Bigfoot-like troll. It, it reminds me of Harry Potter, the first movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I, I must admit I haven't seen it. So so uh-huh. you have a hairy troll in that one? or No, it's not a hairy troll, but there is a troll in a hallway. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Maybe maybe she saw it also. I don't know. But <laughs> ah, interesting. Because you know how the Chupacabra was reported in 95 after the initial woman who mm-hmm. saw the you know Chupacabra oh, yeah. uh, watched Species, the movie. So it's very interesting. Even John Keel like, always made a point of how these monsters often pop up after some piece of pop culture uh, mm-hmm. with a similar mm-hmm. monster comes out it could definitely be be like that in this case I'm, I'm not entirely sure you know if you if you look in in sweden especially out in the countryside outside of the big cities you have a lot of stories about trolls and, and gnomes even today you know in, in modern times and, and how much of them are trolls inside people's houses uh, i would say this, this is probably the only time i heard about a large uh-huh. troll inside a house but uh, i've heard stories about you know, smaller trolls, or we call them little people, and they can be—you know—they could be everything from from gnomes to fairies or, or trolls. I guess you know, it could be all kinds of critters. It's just that they're small. So I mean, we have we have a, a still a, a pretty large, you know, storytelling culture about these kind of critters, and I'm I'm very happy it's so. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but if people prefer to talk about ghosts, probably because they sound less crazy. You know, I, I find it very interesting how you are put into a position where you are exposed to the chance of hearing all mm-hmm. this thing that uh, all these things that are kind of left out because I assume these stories of aliens and trolls and whatnot did not make it into the show yeah no no they, no, no, they, they got cut yeah but you were provided this this opportunity to actually hear the uh, side of the story that is left out the high strangers yes 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 and uh, I, I would say that gave me I mean gave me a lot more than the the, the usual ghost stories of course, because I'm interested in, in things that are not just weird, but mm-hmm. weirder, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, so I, I heard a couple of stories uh, and some some stories, we, you know, I, I still laugh about them today. I remember, this is not really a paranormal story, but I find it very amusing. I was at a family uh, out in the countryside and the father came to me. He wasn't interviewed in the show, but he came to me on the outside of the filming and said, Fred, you know, I... Uh, I, I, I I can feel this sweet smell of something during the night. It kind of comes into the house, you know. And I, I was giggling inside because uh, a couple of hours, hours earlier, I I heard a son told me that he was smoking weed outside the house during the night. But I didn't tell his father, of course. So you, you, you hear a lot. Okay, so I, I find this very interesting. Like, we had plans, w- what we're going to talk about, but <laughs> this is now, you opened a can of worms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I recently had on my show 
Dr. Katrina Daly Thompson, who wrote uh, the book on the Popobawa, which is a Tanzanian bat-winged demon that sexually assaults men. Yeah. And it is used as a linguistic meme to allow people to open discussion about a plethora of different things. Like, let's say, being gay is illegal there, so... Mm-hmm. for gay men closeted gay men to openly talk about homosexuality they would like say oh i was visited by the popobawa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one uh, case one woman that uh, dr thompson interviewed was a woman who had a sexual experience with a ghost mm-hmm. but shared this experience through talking about popobawa with dr thompson so in the end like this person did not encounter the popobawa but was using the popobawa to safely talk about sexual encounters with ghosts mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you, like, you say you know a lot about ghosts and everybody likes talking about ghosts. So do you think ghosts are maybe a kind of a linguistic tool or meme or whatnot that would enable people, let's say in Sweden, to talk about high strangeness, like to open discussion about high strangeness? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so. It's just that uh, ghosts in general, are it's, it, it's more accepted. You know, it's, it's still a wild subject, but mm-hmm. when you start talking about ghosts, it's very, very easy to go into the, the, the fairies and gnomes and even UFOs, even if UFOs still is a little bit of, you know, it's, it's a subject that's still a bit too weird for Sweden, even if we have some very interesting cases. But I, I, I'd say that ghosts in general is a wonderful gateway into the, the mm-hmm. into high strangeness. I was looking into a, a case on Gotland, which is an island outside Sweden. We did an episode there at a farm who was plagued by a ghost called Tox. Steinan. Just by looking into that case, it's kind of an ordinary ghost story on the on the you know on the surface. But after contacting witnesses, I feel it's more like a vampire or werewolf story. But people have a tendency, you know, to to take away the weirdness. So maybe they they, they describe it as a dark shadow in a corner. But when you start talking more with them, suddenly it it's a man with wild eyes and green skin and you know hairy face that's floating you know trying to get cars to crash stuff like that you know you just have to listen you know you have to listen mm-hmm. and let them talk about it and something else will always come so now of course because in our show we we want normal ghost stories so we kept with the normal ghost stories and not the the, the wild aisled green man was attacking uh, the car driving by there's there's always something underneath definitely even here and Sweden is a quite secular country you know it's it's a place where you know spirituality is it's either you know new age stuff on the fringe with angels or uh, it's the church during uh, you know uh, when school's out you go to church you go to church but outside of that the esoteric and spirituality is quite low-key I would say I think maybe that the the ghost stuff is is the spirituality of the Swedish people you know Uh it's it's not Christianity or it's not new age it's ghosts because everyone has a ghost story to tell yeah that, that's why i bring that up because i was asking like are ghosts maybe more acceptable there as a talking point and maybe that's why like you had a show where you filmed 50 episodes of people talking about ghosts mm. but using ghosts as a gateway to talk about these more weird things yeah 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 i mean it, it is a gateway definitely but mm. i mean i mean it's it's not the first thing you hear people 
people talk about. You will listen to them talk about strange shadow in the hallway or the, okay. the heavy footsteps on, on the floor above. You know, If you just wait or just ask another question, there's always something weird coming up. Okay, do you think like a lot of witnesses, w- uh, these details that you pull out of them that fill in the blankness of the shadow entity or whatever, <laughs> that that is what they actually saw or what they are adding onto it after the fact? Like, like maybe the, what they saw is like a Rorschach ink blotch and then over time they are adding more details onto it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, I've encountered very, very few cases where people are telling the same story. I mean, if it's a whole family who have experienced something, they always tell different stories because I interviewed them separately. Both have often quite, you know, big differences in the details. And even if you, I mean, I do I do a telephone interview with them before, a couple of months uh, earlier. And when I come there and do the interview, it often have changed. It can change very quickly to some extreme lengths. But I also feel that I, I you know, I'm fine with that because for me, that part of us humans, that the imagination that really wants to fill in the blanks, it's part of a, you can say, some kind of high strangeness reality also. I mean, we all know how hoaxes can get their own life. You, I mean, you can have a, a case which is a hoax. Everyone knows this is a guy in a monster suit scaring people by the road. But a yes. couple of weeks later, it has its own mythology. People are seeing it. People are remembering it differently. The guy can come out in the newspaper and say, I faked it and people won't believe him. These kind of added details, added mythology around stories is, is something I feel is very important. And yeah, you can laugh at it, but you can also res- respect it for, for what it is because it's it's imagination and imagination is so damn powerful and mm-hmm. important, you know. So I have this idea, like maybe people see something that is vague, that has not a defined shape. Let's say people see a shadow in a corner or let's say, you know, those family members all saw some kind of shadow. But over time, uh, like at that time, this shadow imprinted itself into the memory of these people. Over time, this memory becomes a being of its own that takes a shape based on, you know, the personal context of the person. So each person now uh, diverges this initial phenomenon or imprint and molds it into something more personal. Mm. What, what do you think of that? Like uh, an imprinted initial paranormal experience or memory kind of evolving in your head through time and assuming a more monstrous shape. I, I think it happens quite quickly, you know. I'm trying to come up with a, a comparison here in Sweden, but I mean the the, the the memory by itself is the memory or the, the memory of the experience is, is some kind of clay, you know. Mm-hmm. It's shaped by our own perception, our own experiences, our own preconceived notions about something and sooner or later people will start seeing that face or seeing those wild eyes or seeing that wide hat because if it's a dark shadow here in Sweden it always have a a wide hat sooner or later on top. Why is the white hat? Is it a cultural maybe symbol? Yeah, I I guess you you had this, you know, men, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, especially in the countryside, they were working on farms, they had white hats. I think it's also an archetype in general, you know, these shapes I'm describing here are are often sinister, you know, they're threatening, they're Mm -hmm. they're black in color, uh, they have white hats, and that by itself feels like the typical bad guy archetype, you know, you'll find it in in comic books or or yeah, the the silhouette of the villain in the Western movie who arrives 
Times oh, yeah. in a new town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only thing missing on these ghosts are a moustache, basically, if you're going to go <laughs> on, on those, <laughs> that old way of seeing bad guys. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, of course things are changing. We all know how memory works and the, the memory is crap. I've learned recently that if, if you experience something within, let's say, five hours, you only remember 40% of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and within a week, of course, it's like five or 10% at the most. It, it's like with, um, you know, the clown craze in the beginning of the 80s, where, where, where there was clowns everywhere trying to lure kids away with candy. It feels a lot like the old fairy yeah. tales with them offering food and you get kidnapped into their realm, etc., etc. Except it's clowns, you know. I hate clowns. I don't, uh, I hate the clown craze. I, I think that's so boring. And then we had another one in 2016. Yes. So I I caused a minor scandal because they asked me from a new show to come and comment on the on the clown craze that was in Sweden. And I claimed, and I still stand by that, that it's, it's something that uh, came from uh, cosplay culture. And I got so hated for that comment on national television, I can tell you that. But of course, I mean, people dressed out as clown, they dressed out as, you know, dressed as scary clowns. Of course, it's a form of cosplay because you're acting a character, you're, you're going into a role. But you see, people think of cosplay more as a sexy stuff. But yeah. Halloween is cosplay, man. Yes, yeah, it is, you know. So are clowns, you know. But personally, I, I never, never, ever seen the charm in dressing up as a clown and scaring people. I, I really find that now I sound like a, some kind of moral cop here, but I, I, I really dislike it. It's just boring. I, I demand something more fun. Did you know that there were werewolf and mummy flap in Sweden in the 70s? That's, that's something I like more. Okay, uh, werewolf, okay, but mummy... Yes, there were actually, um, yeah, in, in, I think it was Jokos Berry here outside Stockholm for, uh, for a summer people saw a mummy, a real mummy, you know, with white bandage stumbling around in the forest, scaring people, caused big headlines at the time. Okay. What year was this? Sorry. I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, 73 In 72, there was this werewolf flap also where, where the kids, uh, mostly kids actually saw a werewolf in Trelleborg. Yeah. But that, that's pretty late for mummy stuff because you know, mummy were very popular in the 1920s and 30s and then maybe in the 50s when the uh, remake of the mummy movie came out Mm -hmm. but i don't know in the 70s if there was anything mummy related and even if it was it's not a popular thing in the public no but some folklorists have looked into especially the the mummy thing and found out that swedish television you know we only had two channels at the time they had a summer where they only played old universal horror classics like the mummy Frankenstein, Frankenstein's uh, Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman. Probably it was, you know, something generated by by that experience because there wasn't much else to watch in yes. Sweden. You know. And that, that's something uh, oftentimes people in the 14 communities who want to, let's say, correlate sightings with media mm-hmm. would look at when a movie came out in the cinema, but nobody really looks at when a movie is uh, rebroadcast on television. Mm-hmm. Do you know about the Thetis Lake monster in Canada? I, I do not. I do okay. Not. It was a lake monster that was shaped like the Gilman in uh, Creature from the Black mm-hmm. Lagoon, but it was a hoax. There was another shitty movie, some 
beach babes, whatever, that had some kind of monster like that, that was broadcast on TV around the time when two men claimed to have seen the monster. And they just hoaxed it. They they lied. Mm-hmm. They got the idea from watching the movie. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a lovely, typical example, uh, I'd say. And it was probably the same in, in Sweden with the werewolves and mummies. Not sure about the clowns, though, where they came from. I mean, a, a later clown craze pro- pro- probably came from, from Stephen King's It, but the, the first clown craze, and I don't know when it was, 81 or 82 or something okay, like that. Okay, but I, I don't know when John Wayne Gacy was arrested. That's true, exactly. He might have been arrested during the same time. Could be that, yeah. But I wonder how how famous his, his clown persona was at the beginning. Ah, anyway, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I wonder that as well, but there is a trend of the arrest of a killer, murder, you know, criminal, spawning boogeyman figures in the public consciousness. There is in Spain, I oftentimes bring this up, the crime of Gador, where a guy employed a medicine man and a few other people to kidnap a little boy, killed the boy and used his fat to treat the man's tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And this then spawned a boogeyman figure in Spain of a boogeyman who steals children in sacks to take away their fat. Okay, I recognize this. Either you mentioned it somewhere or I've seen a movie or something mm-hmm. based on this. Yeah, I mean, um, I wonder if we have something similar like that in, in, in Sweden. Ah, my tired brain can't come up with anything huh. right now. <laughs> so yeah anyway yeah maybe you should look into uh, crime history in Sweden yeah I've actually been looking into crime history in Sweden in the last couple of days is the Atlas Vampire Swedish yes the Atlas Vampire I was reading about it the other day very very interesting little case uh, unsolved mm-hmm. if I remember it correctly it was a, a prostitute who was emptied uh, from blood there's not too much written about it the, the stuff I read is very very fascinating and it's here in Stockholm also if I don't remember it wrong we also have uh, there is act, there were actually a murder in 1916 i think a couple of kilometers from where i live where uh, a man and his maid and wife got attacked by an unknown man with black evil eyes who stabbed him in the chest that place that house is is now considered haunted the the man with the black eyes has you know is the the ghost of that place but yeah absolutely there there, there is a couple of interesting crime stories which have a certain paranormal quality to them. The Atlas Vampire, though, I I don't know if there's any ghosts involved. One thing I do know of vaguely, I recently did an episode for another podcast about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Mm -hmm. And you know, a few years ago, Russian experts teamed up with Swedish experts Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. come up with the slab avalanche theory. Mm -hmm. But this is because the Swedish experts were already aware of some kind of Swedish incident that was very similar. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, It was actually a group of uh, uh, Christian youths who was up in the mountains in Sweden. A very, very similar thing happened. Uh, It was very, very gruesome. There was one survivor, but it was a horrible incident. I don't remember how many who died. But what did they die of? Was it one of those catabatic winds or something? Yeah, exactly. And they they basically hypothermia, you know, it it gets so cold so fast that they, they, you know, they basically froze to death. Mm -hmm. They lost 
all senses in their limbs and, you know, using their hands to try to dig themselves out or help others, they hurt themselves. So they didn't even notice when, when they broke the flesh or the skin. It was a horrifying thing, actually. I think it was the end of the 70s. Well worth looking into because it's, yeah, it's very, very similar to the Dialogue Pass. I actually went to a lecture with, with that archaeologist, that Swedish archaeologist who put forth this theory together with the Russians. And he, he gave a very reasonable explanation of it, which I find is very, yeah, that's probably how it went. Yeah. Yeah. He also finally explained where this infamous Bigfoot photo comes from, because I'm sure you've seen it, the Bigfoot photo uh, from the mm-hmm. Dietlo Pass. Wasn't it made for a documentary on Discovery? No, it wasn't. It was uh, it was photographed by the Dietlo kids, the youths. They were deliberately making a fake Bigfoot uh-huh. photo. Uh, yes. For yeah. the student magazine. But it's a great photo. And I thought it was made specifically for this American modern documentary. But it's not. It's it's like from, from the time, basically. Okay, so I saw you on Twitter like a month ago posting about that photo and you said that this may be the first documented Bigfoot hoax photo ever. Yeah, if, I, I don't know if that's true, actually, but it, it feels like that. They they really went into it to, to do a, a, a fake Bigfoot photo that was meant to be pl- published also, but they, they ended up dying. Wow. So imagine if the cause of all this at Dyatlov Pass was them trying to ritualistically create a hoax Mm-hmm. And then through performing the hoax conjuring ritual, <laughs> they actually conjured up high strangeness. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is something very interesting with that. And especially since one of the theories about their deaths is that they got attacked by a Bigfoot or Bigfoots or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of it like they manifested their own destiny in some tragic way, you know. Yeah. I, when I when I learned this about the Bigfoot photo, I, I, I became happy because the only thing I heard about this expedition was the suffering and how horrible it was. And they died in horrible ways ways and suddenly i learned that they at least tried to do a fake bigfoot photo and seemed to have a lot of fun doing that and that made me feel a lot better uh, about how how they finally ended up ending their lives you know yeah (laughs) okay man so do you want to share some high strangeness that you're including in your upcoming book yeah, absolutely. Okay, I wanted to point out, so Westerners who look into UFO phenomena in Sweden most often know the ghost rockets. So that's mm-hmm. something you, you even said a few times that Valet constantly brings up in his books. Yeah. If we're talking about entities or humanoids, it's usually the Dobbinston blobs, which are a known hoax. Exactly. Well, one of my favorite cases of high strangeness in Sweden is, is, uh, is set in 1969 where um, Shell Naslund a guy who worked at the transmitter station in Trehörningsjö went to his work one evening and found his station, his the transmitter station, basically invaded by some kind of slightly luminous boxes who was floating into his workplace inspecting the the equipment he had there. And outside the station was this like 150 meter in diameter big UFO where these boxes were floating in and out. I, I've been 
reading a lot about this case and it's one of those cases which it feels like a dream, man. It feels like this is clearly some kind of alternative reality, but also very realistic in the way that he directly calls his colleague after this happened. It's rooted in a very ta- tangible reality, but the whole the whole atmosphere of it is clearly like a dream. And I'm wondering, you know, if it maybe it was a dream or if it was some kind of facing in and out of a dream state and our reality, if, if that even matters, actually, in stories like that. There was also, a, I mean, a, a similar incident almost 10 years later on the exact same spot where another guy, a friend of this guy, met three aliens exactly on the same spot, but with a smaller UFO. And they were blocking the way because he was up there with his car this uh, by the transmitter station. They blocked the way and, you know, he just decided to, okay, chill, I, I need to get away from here. So he just turned off the light of the car, waited 10 seconds, turned it on again, and they were gone and could drive, you know, he could flee, he could escape from the place. These, especially the first one with the floating boxes, I'd say is absolutely trust the witness. I haven't talked to him myself because he passed away a number of years ago, but it's one of those stories where he actually told the same story over and over again. It, nothing really changed. He had a very clear memory of it. Okay, is this the same guy who was using venomous snakes to no, protect no, his it, property? Uh, yeah, that, no, that's just a Carlson. Just a Carlson uh-huh. uh, had his encounter in 1946. He claimed in a uh, May 18, where he he was out in the forest for some reason in the middle of the night and saw a big UFO with some humanoids looking like Nordics, basically, the Nordic kind of aliens. And the UFO, it was not a ghost rocket because 46 is when the ghost rockets were a thing. Yeah, this this, this kind of looked like a classic UFO. Uh, and he, he got so inspired by this meeting, so he, he started to have a lot of dreams and these dreams, he said, inspired him to find a way to extract uh, nutrients or, or, or some healthy things from pollen. Mm-hmm. And so he became a millionaire from that. And he later built a UFO monument on the spot of the UFO landing. This is probably the most famous UFO case in Sweden. I'd say I, I don't trust the guy totally. I think parts of it, it is interesting, but it's, I, I really don't think there was anything physical going on. I think it was all in his head. But it, it still could be like divine inspiration in a way because there is the high strangeness aspect of a lot of people who encounter UFOs end up after the fact being more connected with nature in a way and yeah, uh, yeah. like uh, assuming a hobby or an occupation that's related to nature. So he became a holistic healer from what I understand. Yeah, kind of, or at least an inventor. I don't know if he I mean, he, he came up with this idea about pollen and he started to produce it and he had this, the, the rumor says he had this venomous snakes guarding the factory. Another one that springs to mind is uh, Ante Jonsson or Ante Johansson, I don't remember now, who was attacked by a couple of weird looking short aliens with uh, with hoods and it was it's quite quite traumatic uh, event where they tried to drag him into their flying saucer. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> Yeah, they, they, you know, he goes out driving and he saw this big flying saucer, a black flying saucer, kind of. So he goes home, he gets his camera because he wants to take a photo of it. Comes back, there's no UFO. So he drives around trying to find it. The UFO shows up again. He kind of almost crashes into the UFOs with his car. Uh-huh. And when he tries to get out of the car, he tries to, you know, because it's snow outside, so the car is stuck in the snow. He goes out to try to, you know, push it uh, out of the snow. Then a bunch of these aliens comes and attacks him 
uh, and the, they drag him to an, to another UFO. Okay, okay. Scream. So, man, uh, the way you pronounced it, I heard that the aliens were trying to cram a dragon into the UFO. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. what the fuck? <laughs> no, that, that would have been fun. That that would have been very weird. No, no, no. They tried <laughs> to drag him, not dragon. Okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry for that, man. Like I, I don't usually make fun of anybody for their accents, but this is so funny. I'm, I'm a I'm dragon. Swedish, you know, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. You know, <laughs> uh, there's stories about dragons in Sweden, also. But, but it's isn't old. it interesting? Like when, let's say, Westerners are hearing these uh, stories from people who are not, you know, English speakers, and then you can easily mispronounce something talking, mm -hmm. you know, in a language that's not your own, and then the Americans or British people or whatever can totally misinterpret mis, uh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so can new mythology start, you know, so can new <laughs> stories start, you know, maybe someone, you know, remembers this episode in the future, and he will, he or she will bring up that story about someone trying to ram a dragon into a UFO. Uh, I, I'd love yeah, to because I, I made a whole point of it. So now that's what's imprinted into the memory of the listener. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I set out to write this book because I find, uh, you know, I th there is this notion that Sweden is quite normal. It's it's quite ordinary. We have, you know, ABBA days of base and, and fascism as every other country have nowadays. But if you kind of look a little bit further into our, our storytelling, there's so many weird alien encounters and UFO meetings and even UFO flaps, some cryptids, not many though. And I, I felt that it's, for me, it feels important to bring out these stories to the English language, you know, to share them because so much is centered around, you know, the United States or, or the UK or, yes. or, or even South America. I love the South American cases. They're awesome. But, you know, it's, it's like there is other countries also. Sweden is one of them and there's some crazy stuff happens here. Okay, I wanted to ask you this. So the ghost rockets, how are they, what are they named in Sweden? Spear, Kiraketer. So the Spear, Kir or Spear, <laughs> does that literally mean ghost or is it more like phantom or something else? No, it, it literally means ghost. It wow. Means, uh, yeah. So I, I, I was thinking like maybe it's phantom because like phantom is used to convey something otherworldly misplaced. Like why ghost rockets? Good question. I mean, they started using it quite fast when these things started to happen. I think it's connected to the, the to the ghost flyers of the 30s, where people saw ghost airplanes all mm -hmm. over Sweden. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of like the ghost rockets, very similar actually. Okay, because we're we're entering the atomic age in the 40s after World War II. So mm -hmm. now, like, it's no longer ghost planes, but ghost rockets, more sci-fi. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the ghost rocket case. Now I'm not an expert on this because there's other experts who, who knows it so well among them Klaus Swan who's probably the best of the best he knows everything but the more I, I, I read and hear about the ghost rockets the, the, the weirder it gets because first of all you never found any physical proof of, of, of these ghost rockets ever but you have at least 100 pretty reliable observations of crashes where the ghost rockets crashed into lakes all around Sweden uh, and this happened as you might know even in the 80s and the 90s where lots of people saw something crash into a lake or actually two lakes these these observations and these witnesses are so reliable it's they're so convincing that something it's obviously something was flying around there at the time and crashed down in lakes what it is i have no idea 
okay, probably some boring Russian stuff or something like that, but it's still interesting. It's okay. super interesting. I wanted to ask you, so do you know of cases where uh, something crashed and they went there on the land and found it's a meteor? Are there cases of that? No, 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 not not, not what I know. Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking if something crashes on land and somebody finds out, oh, it's just a meteor, that does not get cataloged in the annals of ufology history as a ghost rocket. But why we have a lot of these ghost rockets ending up in lakes is because they are never found. Thus, nobody can say it's a meteor. Thus, it's still a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see your point. Uh, I can only, you know, go from what I heard and read from yeah. by Klaus Vaughn, who's, who's really looked into this and I really can't find anything like this. I mean, the two modern crashes, one in the 80s and one in the 90s, are clearly because there was uh, in, in, in the 90s case where at least three groups of witnesses so all, who all reported seeing a rocket-shaped object coming down to the lake doing a, a turn and crashing, almost, yeah, crashing into the lake. So definitely not a meteorite or anything like that. In the one in the, in the, in the 80s, in Namoya, a uh, lake up in, in very north of Sweden. The two witnesses clearly, if if you, if you read their diaries from the same day, they describe I think it's a kind of a rocket shaped object coming in over them, doing a U turn and landing on the water on the lake, and then it, it was sinking. So definitely, if you trust the witnesses, definitely not any meteorites involved. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Very very fascinating cases. Uh, they've tried to find the rocket that crashed in Namoya. They're planning, I think, another expedition, maybe next year, a third expedition now, to see if they can locate it. They have found something on, uh, what do you call radar? Not radar, but... Um, sonar. Sonar, sonar, yeah, exactly. So there is something down in the lake. It could be a, a dead reindeer or something, or a big stone, but it could also be a ghost rocket. We'll see. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you this as well. So when you take all the humanoid encounters in Sweden and it comes compare them to, say, American humanoid encounters, like, is there some kind of particular trend in what the humanoids look like in Sweden compared to America? I assume that you don't have a lot of greys. No, I I haven't found any greys, personally. I found a tree-armed owl man once, but no greys. I'm just, you know, it's it's very wide spectrum of looks on these humanoids. You have the, the usual, you know, dwarf-like creatures or miniature people you have the boxes flying around you have hairy creatures you have this big insect like thing with wings which I probably wrote on on Twitter once but I, I'd say that the most common humanoid the most common humanoid sightings in Sweden are very uh, gnome like small people with pointy hats sometimes with beards some of these stories is very very similar to UFO encounters you know it's it's uh, most of them are you know was you know before the, the big, you, you know, before UFO became big in the world. So they saw basically aliens looking like gnomes. Okay, and the, these encounters always involved a UFO. It's yeah, not that somebody has a little people encounter and then just assumes it's an alien. There, there is, uh, I mean, the t- two more famous cases, it ends with a UFO, but they don't describe it as a UFO. They describe it as a, a bright light that the gnomes uh, or the little people are going into the bright light and the bright light is then flying away. It's basically exactly what what modern sightings can can be about. But they they see them more as nature spirits or trolls or, you know, that kind of beings. There's quite a lot of them, actually, even today, these kind of stories. Yeah, because I was wondering if maybe 
maybe the predominant type of humanoid is something like the what is it called the Elf or something in mm-hmm, Finland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a good example because it's kind of in that direction it goes. You know, if I'm now I'm so stuck with the stuff I've written about in this book, and I have this idea to maybe do a book specifically about gnome sightings, you know, or elf sightings or dwarf sightings in, okay. in Sweden. But but the, the 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 Finnish one you mentioned is it uh, feels a lot very typical for what people are experiencing, you know, at least outside the, their perception of UFOs. Okay, so with the gnome sightings that you are aware of in Sweden, is there a missing time associated with those cases? There is one observation from the 17th hundred where uh, a farmhand called Jakob Jakobsson uh, has been out fishing and when he's on his way home he sees a trail that he hasn't seen before, so he follows that trail and discovers, you know, a, a, a land of fairies and gnomes and they offer him food but he, he feels that there's something fishy with this of course so he says no and he starts praying to god and they throw him out and so he walks back this trail and when he comes home he learns that he's been away for four days instead of like four hours or something like that pretty good example but also very old of course because i mean it's several hundred years old and he could probably have pulled these things out of his ass you know just to come up with a fun story but it's still it's (laughs) still pretty interesting i think i i could see a lot of men um visiting their mistresses and then in those days <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There, there's another one. One of my faves is, I think it was in 1979. There's a girl. She can't sleep, so she takes a walk in this little community where she lives. And after a while, she kind of senses that some, some, someone is watching her. And she sees a UFO, and she sees two uh, two aliens outside the UFO. And they come comes to her, and they offers her chocolate, a piece of chocolate, uh, which is of course very, you know, fairy like behavior uh-huh. the, 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 the food, food offering yeah yeah the, she's so scared though that she she doesn't you know take the chocolate she doesn't accept the offering and uh, so the the aliens give up and they fly away with their ufo there's no missing time there what i know but just the the idea of possibly accepting something eatable from the other folk <laughs> another realm of yeah the, yeah exactly i find very very fascinating yeah i know uh joshua kutchen wrote a lot about the those types of cases in his first book, Trojan Feast. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know if he maybe included that one or, or the first one that you mentioned, because that first case you mentioned seems very familiar to me because there are a lot of these cases of in the 17th or 1800s, mm-hmm. people being offered food items from the good folk and then having missing time because they were stuck in fairyland. Yeah, I, I think he mentions uh, the one with the farmhand actually in the Trojan mm-hmm. Feast. Yes, I think it's even in the first chapter yeah yeah so it's it's one of the more famous cases yeah yeah but because you know. i re- read like i find it very hard to finish books like mm-hmm. i go midway through them and then i'm like oh i want to read that again <laughs> but this time very seriously and then i end up like mothman prophecies i've been trying to read it for 10 times now never finished yeah. it <laughs> Well, you don't, uh, I mean, I, I, I read like five books at the same time because I'm so restless. You know, it's like, yeah. I, you know, it, it takes me forever to read a book. You know, it takes, it's, I mean, it takes months 
you know, even for a simple book, I, because I switch book all the time, because I feel I need something else now. I'm bored with aliens. I want some some conspiracy. Okay, or whatever. so you're bored with aliens. I <laughs> for, for the end of the episode. So you were recently tweeting about investigating cases of giants. Yes, in Sweden. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to ask you, like, we know that in America, people who are obsessed with giants are Christians. Mm. Mm-hmm. They want to tie it with the Nephilim. Is that a thing in Sweden as well? Well, I'm actually waiting for a book. Don't be angry at me here now, but I actually bought a Swedish book on this subject, uh-huh. which two evangelical Christian guys have written about giants in Sweden and their connection to a Christian uh, denomination. Na- narrative. Yeah, Christian narrative. That's also, I mean, the, the, the giants were used as a, as a warning kind of in church you know, in the early, you know, 1900 or something like that. They used whale bones. So they hanged whale bones in churches and said that these were the bones of giants that was killed by God or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it's so, like a proof of something being smitten by yeah, the might of God. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, and, and you still can find these whale bones uh, in some churches. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> You know, the, the, the giants themselves in Swedish mythology are more like radical enjoyers of life. Oh, so I see why Christians would want God to smite them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're more like, they're more like, uh, I mean, the, when Christianity came to Sweden, the giant said, okay, fuck this. We won't accept this. So we go somewhere else and have fun. We go down in the mountains, in the, in the, in the ground or whatever. But they didn't give up. They didn't die or anything like that. They just moved on. You know, they just didn't want to stay in a Christian country, basically. So uh, um, the, the the giants to me are are quite you know they they radical fun characters most of the time they have a, they have a sense of humor they have they have of course huge amount of gold as all these creatures seems to have in Sweden <laughs> but in Sweden they're giants in Ireland they're little people and leprechauns <laughs> yeah 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 but. <laughs> Yeah, there are, but but uh, you know the latest sighting of a giant, I think, was someone in a folklore group, uh, a Swedish folklore group, where someone mentioned she saw two giants or big trolls in the mid eighties, like eighty four, eighty five. But before that, there was in nineteen forty six caused quite big headlines where uh, an island were terrorized by a giant uh, walking around, scaring fishermen and innocent women carrying a lantern. So it's kind of giant version of a jack jack o'lantern uh mm-hmm. character but there's too few giants absolutely i i wish there were more giants non-christian giants no nephilim so i think oh, but i mean there is only so much space in sweden for so many giants <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's but it's you know sweden is quite big and we have a lot of nature so i think we would have you know space for giants i still yeah. cross my fingers it will happen again huh, interesting also mm-hmm. i'm thinking now nowadays uh sweden swedish people don't want giants around because they're going to be breaking that ikea furniture <laughs> yes <laughs> could be you know could be <sighs> yeah ikea yeah. Also, I think it's very ironic that probably Christians are not the ones buying that giant book. Like even these guys are even in Christian standards kind of kooky. But the guy who is buying this book from these two Christian dudes calls himself homo satanist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I find it funny. You know, I, I usually don't buy propaganda books like that. But, you know, it's about giants. You know, yeah. it's still my subject and I need to own it. And I also heard it's quite ambitious book because they traveled around Sweden taking photos 
because of all the evidence they found of giants in Sweden. So I'm really looking forward to look through it, you know, because I, I love an ambitious book, even if it's completely bonkish. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you need divine inspiration to do maybe oh, yeah. good work, but for wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, thank you for going in so many different directions. Can you share something maybe about your upcoming book? Yeah, my, my book is, is, it will be called Borderlands, High Strangeness in Sweden. Hello, guys. Darwin from the future here. So it seems that Fred actually changed the name of his book. And now I think it's going to be titled Northern Lights, High Strangeness in Sweden, unless he changes it again. And it, it deals with cases from the uh, 60s up to uh, maybe even late uh, 50s up to the early like uh, 90s or late 80s. It's, it will be out here in the beginning of uh, 2023. I've never worked so hard on any book I've written before. You know, it's... it's <laughs> For being me, who's a very, very restless person, I've been mm -hmm. overly ambitious with it for once because I don't want to, you know, I know who will read this book and I know that people will look at it. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't be sloppy. Okay. And it will be in Swedish and English. Yeah, it will be in English. Of okay. course, because, so, because so again, you have the pressure of being the person who is presenting <laughs> your nation's uh, cases to the outside, to the international. Yeah, public. yeah. When you put it that way, I'm almost regretting doing this. You know, <laughs> writing it. You know, it's I. I <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of that, but I also feel that someone needs to do it. You know, because I I, I really want to to spread these amazing stories, which are way more fun than how I told them here in this yeah. podcast, because I, I prefer to write. I'm better in writing than talking, to be honest. It will be, I think, 250 pages. There will be at least maybe 10 main cases and a lot of smaller cases, incidents, ob observations all through the book. So I, I think it's, it will be very informative and it's ambitious. And I, I really hope that will be something that's visible, you know, when, when you get the Book. Also, is is it true that you quoted me in the book? <laughs> yes, you're quoted in the book. You are <laughs> actually yes. <laughs> it, it's uh, I, I I I listened to some episode and I. I sat there to quote you properly. So I hope you're satisfied with it. Huh. Well, I mean. <laughs> We Europeans should stick together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've tried also to quote people that I like. Of course, I don't want to quote people that I dislike. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's natural. But, uh, but I feel that it's important. I feel it's important that we support each other. Yes. If you if you appreciate someone's work, give it the the the, the credit it deserves. Hmm. And 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 you and tracing owls is. I've told you this in private many times that the way you've been working with tracing owls is stunning can i be honest with you okay you get sure sure you were very, very whiny at the beginning. Oh, I know. Yeah, very whiny, almost annoyingly whiny. And I was like, oh, no, he needs to stop this. But then something changed. And I'm not entirely sure what changed in you. But suddenly you became this beautiful host. This, this uh, you, You've really brought forward your, your amazing talent for talking with people to bring up subjects to. I mean, I'm so impressed. I'm yeah. so impressed. I like that you're being honest with me because yeah. I've been struggling with the 
the identity that I want for this podcast for quite a while. And the, mm. the moment I stopped caring about what I want is when everything started falling into place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now it's more like what I need, not what I want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well done. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, really stoked to be on this podcast now. I really hope I didn't ramble like a madman. Oh, you know? no, I, I man. Mean... <laughs> this podcast is for rambling. <laughs> rambling I mean... madman. Uh, probably the listeners listening now won't know that we have a whole like 40 minute segment that I'm going to post as another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but like, think about it, man, uh, we went into some hard stuff that nobody ever has the balls to go into. Yeah. Yeah. In that I, segment. I, I appreciate I got the chance to talk about it, you know, yeah. and, and, and uh, this, this uh, couldn't be a better podcast to do that in. Yeah. Either, so I, I'm uh, thinking like this podcast is about providing a platform for people to talk about the weird and the paranormal in ways that they would not usually talk about on other shows mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because yeah. I, I'm not making money off this. I'm not selling a product so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yes, you can. So much freedom, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, man. Thank you for, for, wow. I, I'm very satisfied. We made two episodes yeah. in one sitting. Uh, so for the end, can you tell the listeners where they can find you, plug your own stuff, your podcast, and again, what the title of the book will be if you don't change it a hundred times. So that <laughs> Well, uh, keep your eyes open for a book called Northern Lights. High Strangeness in Sweden. And you can, of course, uh, follow me on Twitter as Homo Satanis and even Mastodon. After the recent Twitter drama, I have a Mastodon uh, account called Homo Satanis. I am uh, also on Instagram under the same name, Homo Satanis. You know, I'm a simple guy. I'm not, you know, doing something complicated here where I post about books and, and the weirdness and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, for those, those of you in Sweden, I have a Swedish podcast, uh, Märklighetsfaktorn, which is only about high strangeness. Uh, and it's a pretty great one, I must say. But, you know, I, I, you know, I just love to have connection with people, to connect with people, to discuss with people people to talk with people to share and exchange stories yes. that's what i love so uh, i think know. a very big thing for both of us being europeans and non-english speakers is actually knowing english well enough to share these stories and to talk with people mm -hmm. because we provide a very important perspective but the language barrier is the only hurdle that we need to you know pass in order to share all this oh yeah absolutely. We have. absolutely absolutely yeah join me there that's for sure <laughs> and i hope uh, uh, you have your podcast linked in, in some kind of link tree or something, because I don't know if I'm going to able, be able to spell that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's linked, so don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this. This was a very marvelous experience for me because we talked about so many various different things that now I'm going to be pondering over a few, uh, not a few, uh, many, a plethora of ideas we brought up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> so uh, for the listeners, everything will be linked in my episode description if I find the keyboard settings that allow me to do <laughs> Swedish letters. <laughs> And you can find Fred here uh, at Homo Satanist on Twitter, on Instagram, and the book uh, when it comes out. I'll I'll share that on social media as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, then. You will have a hell editing this, but I hope it will work out for you. I didn't. Uh, I've, you see, this is. I, I have a tendency to ramble away. Oh, no but, worries, uh, man. Um, I'm a real... uh, you can go now. Rest. I am yep. going to wait a few hours and then I'm going to have a round table with maybe four people. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a beast. Yeah, you're a beast. I have no <laughs> idea how you manage this. But uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Really nice talking to you. No very, problem. Very, very nice. No problem. Uh, uh, you're a great guy. Uh, uh, and it, it's good to, because I'm a quite grumpy person. So it, this makes me in a very good mood to do stuff like this. So it's, it's a... Ah, uh, see, a, why didn't you enjoy my whiny side then? Because you're a grump. Is it no, because it, it, it reflects back at you what it is yeah, like to be a grump? Yeah, I think so. Actually, it does. <laughs> uh, and I felt that, you know, but I, I, I mean, I, I, I liked your stuff even then, but I, I, I think you're, you're brilliant when you're less grumpy, like you're ah, now. Yes. You're this, that's fantastic. Continue I am that. just following the trail of breadcrumbs and just not <laughs> looking back. Whatever I did back then, it needed to be, it's there for, for newcomers to listen to my grumpy side before they can. <laughs> it's like, for somebody to access the good side of you, they need to go through the bad stuff, you know, yes. to deserve it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that might be so. So, yeah. All okay. right. We oh. are ending this and we're going to go rest because yes. we've, been, we've been recording for like over two hours. Okay. Fuck. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, yeah, keep in touch, you know. As yes. Usual. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye bye, guys. Bye bye.